You're listening to the Cornerstone Family Worship Center podcast. Making disciples, building community, and growing together in faith and love. talking today about the power of the blood. Amen. Thank you for that uh, nice uh, encouragement there, Brother Don, as we partook of communion today to remind us just exactly why we do what we do when we partake of communion. Amen. Let's just look to the Lord right now and pray over this word that we would receive it in faith, in Jesus' name. Father, we love you. And we love your word, and we thank you, Lord, that you've given to us this word. Lord, we desire to be the overcomers that you have proclaimed in your word that your people are to be. Sad to say, many Christians are not overcoming, only because of their lack of believing what you have said. Now, Lord, today, help us to believe what you have said, that we might walk as overcomers in this world. We are the overcomers. We are the overcomers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Sometimes you may not feel like an overcomer, but that you don't walk by feelings. You walk by faith. We walk by what the word of the Lord says, and the word of the Lord says that you are an overcomer. If you belong to Jesus Christ, if you are one of his, then you are an overcomer. Amen. It doesn't matter what you feel like. It doesn't matter what your situation dictates. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what people say to you. Thank you, Lord. you are an overcomer in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Christians throughout the ages have sung songs, written poems, and cherished God with thankful hearts for the precious blood of his dear son. Amen. While the Christians have great love and respect for the blood of Christ, there are many who do not understand why we do, why we hold it precious, why we hold it in high regard and in high esteem. And there are even people who hate and despise Christians for even mentioning the blood of Jesus Christ. Some of them are no doubt demon-possessed. I'm not saying every one of them is, but uh, many times those people who are that hateful towards the blood of Christ or the mention of Christ or Christianity, a lot of times uh, you may not know it, but uh, they, they may have demon spirits in them. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so, uh, because we know, we know why the, the devil rears up when he hears about the blood of Jesus Christ. He hates the mention of Christ's blood. Why? Because it is through the blood of Jesus Christ that the saints overcome. And he doesn't want you to be an overcomer. 
He doesn't want me to be an overcomer. He wants to steal that from us. Amen. Let's go to Revelation chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 10 through 12. Now God gave to John on the Isle of Patmos uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ. A lot of things there throughout that, uh, throughout that book describes things that will happen in the last days. And uh, we know that there will be some that will be martyred for the sake of Christ in, in the time of the tribulation. And uh, some believe that this only applies to them that we're going to read right now. But I do not believe that. I'm with the scholars who believe that this applies not only to those martyrs, but to each and every one of us as Christ's children. John said, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. <laughs> Whoa, everybody say amen. He has a short time. Amen. So whatever we're going to go through in this world, uh, we, we know that we have uh, an eternal home with God in heaven, and uh, Satan will in, in the end, in the end, be cast down forever. Amen. And the plan of God will unfold, and God will have his way. Amen. Aren't you glad of that? God will have his way. Amen. Satan, as the accuser of God's children, accused them before God, it says here, day and night. Day and night. In other words, he doesn't sleep. Satan doesn't sleep. He doesn't take a nap. He doesn't go on vacation. He's always scheming, strategizing, plotting to steal from you that which is rightfully yours, that which rightfully belongs to you as a child of God. And that's exactly what Satan does. And on this day, when, when it says that he's going to be cast down, amen, for good, forever, amen. He is constantly seeking to kill you. He, is, he comes to completely destroy you and destroy your life. But Jesus has come to give us life and that more abundantly. Hallelujah. Yes, we face a thief. Yes, we face a robber. Yes, we face someone who's out to destroy us. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. And Christ is in you. Christ is in you. I said this uh, Wednesday night. I said, think about this thought. The almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth and all things that exist. That God. That God. Not that some God with a little G. Almighty God lives in your heart. Yes, he lives in your heart. Wow, that is so, that, just that thought right there ought to get every Christian in the world just so excited. Amen. God's living in you. Why would we not be overcomers, amen? Hallelujah. 
Jesus has given us, as we said last week when we were talking about the word, he has given us all these great and precious promises that we might walk and have the divine nature of God just flowing in us, through us, and have his word in us. Amen. Walking in the power of In the Old Testament, God established the blood sacrifice as the penalty for sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, guilt and shame came upon them immediately. Now, they walked in the, in the garden in the cool of the day, having communion and fellowship with Almighty God, the God that created them. Amen. And then when they sinned against him, they broke his word, they violated his commandment. When that happened, as soon as that happened, shame and guilt entered in. Amen. And the next time that God wanted to have some fellowship with them, they were running and hiding from him. And he said, where were you at? Well, we were hiding because we were naked. God said, who told you you were naked? So right then and there, it was acknowledged that sin had entered in. And so they're trying to cover themselves up uh, with fig leaves. But God provided an animal skin to cover them. Amen. And to completely cover them. Not, you know, you've seen these pictures. It's probably depicted maybe the way that it really did happen. As they're hiding from God, they have fig leaves and they're going like this. They're, they're hiding their torso or their, their midsection. But when God gave to them the skins of an animal, he completely clothed them. Amen. And uh, so we... Uh, this is no doubt where God established a blood sacrifice. Now, it doesn't say blood in, in that particular early verse in Genesis, but it does say the skin of an animal. How in the world do you get a, the skin of an animal? Amen. You, you, you have to kill the animal. And so God, no doubt, at that point in time, showed them about what it meant to sacrifice for the sins. That there had to be a payment for sin. There's a penalty that must be paid for sin. And so God established that with them, and we can assume that he gave instructions to them on how to offer such a sacrifice. Amen. And then later on, their sons uh, bring an offering before the Lord. And God accepted Abel's animal sacrifice, a blood sacrifice, but he didn't except Cain's. He was not pleased with Cain's offering. Amen. So if God establishes a certain order and he says, this is the way that I want you to do things, and then someone else pops up and says, yeah, but I got a better idea. It doesn't fly with God. God says, this is the order, this is what I wanted, and this is what you're to follow. And so Cain did not follow that. Amen. And then uh, uh, fast forwarding a little bit, we come to that last miracle that God did before Pharaoh finally let the Israelites go. Uh, it was the smiting of all the firstborn children of the Egyptians. Amen. Prior to this event, God instructed the Israelites to smear blood on the lentil over their door and on the two side doorpost. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 13, it says this. Blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, 
I will pass over you, and the plagues shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So that blood provided protection for all those who were in the house. Uh, this was to be celebrated yearly. God established that with them, and he told them to remember this constantly going forward uh, as the Passover. And it, ser it also served as a type and a shadow of that which was to come in the future, namely Christ, the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. <clears throat> so in the Jewish religion, this Passover, that's what it is called, the Passover meal and Passover, is celebrated still to this day. The Jewish people do that, at least the, uh, uh, the conservative uh, Jewish people or the Orthodox Jewish people still do celebrate that. But when Jesus shared the Passover meal with his disciples just before he was crucified, he brought in a new covenant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what we celebrated this morning. What Jesus established with his disciples there in that Passover meal was a new covenant. Going forward from that time, we are to celebrate something totally different. Amen. When he said, uh, take of this bread, this is my body which is broken for you. Uh, Pastor Don did a good job of uh, sharing that today, of exactly what that is and what he meant by that. Uh, some people call uh, the Christian faith, they say, it just sounds so cannibalistic. No, no, there's a meaning to that. One time Jesus turned around and he said, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part in me. And many of his disciples, not the 12, but those who followed after him, they were called disciples of the Lord. They were following his teaching, following where he went. And it says many of his disciples at that point in time turned and walked away, saying, this is a hard saying. Who can receive this? And again, the natural mind, they're thinking cannibalism, you know, that this, you know what, what kind of weird thing is he saying? Jesus said, okay, guys, uh, you want to go too? <laughs> Peter said, Lord, where can we go? Where else in this world can we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. That would be so good for every one of us to get that so deep down inside of our spirit that every temptation, every chaos that you ever face in this world, everything that the enemy ever throws at you, where are you going to go when you leave Jesus? You're going to go back to the, the hog pit? You're going to go back to the slime of this life? Like a dog returning to its vomit. That's pretty descriptive. <laughs> and our answer should be, <laughs> oh Lord, where could I go? Where could I go? That's why I say so often, God has just messed me up for this world. Yeah! This is not my home. This is not your home. So all of the chaos, confusion, and everything else that we see around us, that's, that, that'll be gone one day. Amen. This is not our home. We're pilgrims passing through. <clears throat> We're only here for a very temporary time. If you live to be 100 years old or 120 years old, it's a blink of an eye in comparison to eternity. Amen. 
<clears throat> Hallelujah. Uh, he said, this is my body. And then he says, here, take this cup. This is the New Testament in my blood given for the sins of many. That includes you and me. We're in the many. God has given us his son, the very best gift that he could possibly give. And it was the shedding of his blood. There had to be, I'll back up and say what I said earlier, there had to be a penalty for sin. And your penalty, he took so that you would not have to take it. And it was laid upon him. No man, he said, takes my life from me, but I lay it down. He laid his life down for you, and he laid his life down for me. So now everyone who comes to God through faith in Jesus Christ is covered by his blood. Amen. You are covered by his blood. And if that sounds gory to you, you just haven't had it click yet. I would say you haven't been born again yet. Because when you're born again, you understand that statement, that his blood has covered you. And God says to us, when I see that blood, that blood of my son, and that it has been applied to you and unto your heart, I will pass over you. I will pass over you. I like that old hymn we used to sing to remind us of that. I will pass, I will pass over you. Oh, when I see the blood. Oh, when I see the blood. When I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. You want me to do that every week? <laughs> Amen. And that is, that's where we stand today. It's not just the uh, coming into a house with uh, blood on the doorposts so that our children will be saved from a plague that was going to be sweeping by. He has saved us from every plague. Amen. Amen. He has saved us from all of our sins. Amen. <clears throat> Past, present, and future. You may sin tomorrow. You may fall short again tomorrow. But we have an advocate with Christ Jesus. Amen. And we repent of that and we go on serving Christ. Amen. So what has that blood actually done for us? What's the significance of the blood of Christ? Because a lot of times you hear people mentioning that maybe in their prayers or reciting that or saying that, the blood of Jesus Christ. And uh, <clears throat> so what, does that, what has that blood done for us? Now, the first thing, it has washed away our sins. Amen. These are things, and we're talking about being an overcomer in this life. Walking in an overcoming way. And these couple of scriptures, and we could go on and on today with many scriptures, but I only have a few because of time. But what we have to do is look at these scriptures and believe what they say. You cannot be an overcomer by just reading this and letting it go in one ear and out the other. You only become an overcomer when you read that verse and you understand what it means when it is applied to your own heart and your own life. That's what makes you walk upright, and that's what makes you an overcomer in this world. Revelation 1.5, it says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Our sins are forgiven. That's the first thing that we can say. What does this blood do for us? It has forgiven us of our sins. That was the price that was paid that we could receive forgiveness. Amen. It justifies us. The word justified is best understood just if I'd not sinned. Just if I'd never sinned. How about that? That's what justification means in your life. So God looks at you. You want to talk about being an overcomer. Get this thought down deep inside of your heart. That God looks upon you. And this is what he says of you. Ronnie, I look at you just as if you have never sinned. Wow, we don't even say amen there. We just say, wow. Yeah, come on. (laughs) You're next, girl. Stop and think about it. Stop and think about it. That God says of you, it doesn't matter what your neighbors say of you, doesn't matter what your siblings say of you, doesn't matter what the rest of the church thinks about you. I'm telling you what God says about you. Mary, I look at you just as if you have never sinned. When I think of that, when I think that God looks at me and says that, because he does not remember our sins against us. He has cast all of our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. He doesn't even remember them against us. He's not reminded of them in, uh, against us. But when I hear that or when I think that God looks at me and says, Michael, it's just as if you had never sinned. And as soon as I hear the word sinned, I remember. Amen. I remember who I am. I remember what I've done. Right. I remember my past life. I remember the sins of my youth and of my adulthood. And you don't even have to go through them one at a time. I mean, it's a flash before your mind. And God says, you see all that junk? I don't see all that junk. You see all that junk. But it's just as if you'd never done them. Just as if you've never, ever sinned. Man, I'm telling you what, I'm starting to feel like an overcomer this morning. Come on now. Amen. That's what we ought to be thinking, that God thinks this way of us. So that blood justifies us before the Lord. Romans 5, 9 says, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Amen. Then the next thing is is that it redeems us. It redeems us. To redeem something means to purchase Something. Ephesians 1 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Amen. He has redeemed us, he has purchased us. When you purchase something, you're not renting it. Amen. Gary, when you rent some musical equipment, it doesn't, it, it's just temporarily. But when you buy a bass guitar, mm-hmm. 
Who's it? It's yours. It's yours. And so it says that he has purchased us. He has redeemed us. He has bought and paid for us. Who owns you? Who owns you? Jesus Christ, God Almighty, owns you. You know what that means? We are not our own. We are not our own. We belong to him. And the only trouble that we get into is when we keep trying to think that we are our own man. You got to get rid of that stinking thinking. Because you are not your own man. And if you are your own man, you need to get born again. So that you'll become his man. See, a lot of times in this world, people pride themselves. I'm, I'm my own man. I don't take orders from anybody. Fool. Write it across your head, fool. Amen. Unteachable spirit. God speaks to that in his word. It's like witchcraft. It's the sin of witchcraft. So we're, we're raised in this world to start to think like that. And when we get born again, we have to rethink all of that stuff. Get rid of it. Being your own man, you keep getting yourself into a lot of trouble. Be his man. Be his woman. Amen. But he has purchased us. First uh, Peter 1.18 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed, bought, purchased, paid for, with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation or your manner of living, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Hallelujah. That was the price that was paid. Man, do you realize that God sees you and I as very valuable? Man, if you, if you saw something in this world and, and you, you placed such very high value on it, you would just go out of your way to do whatever you had to do to purchase that thing. Amen. And that's what he did for us. He purchased us. Amen. I, I was reading, a, I read a little illustration that a lady was... Uh, traveling overseas back in the day when they communicated by telegraph and uh, she saw this beautiful tapestry and it was $25,000. So she wired home. She said, beautiful tapestry, $25,000. And should I buy? Something like that. You know, they, they communicated in one sentences back then. Her husband's so, so her husband sent back to her and he said, no, too much. And so she came home with the tapestry. He said, what did, what did you do? She said, well, I got the telegram. It says, no, no price is too much. <laughs> no price is too much is what he said to her. No, no, the price is too much. She says, no. Price too much? No price too much? Well, I paid for it. Bought it home. Well, stop and think about this. 
God looks at you, and he, in his mind, he said, no price, no price is too much. And so the blood of his own son was shed because of you. You are, you are of great value to God because you're made in the image of God. God says, man, you, I place great value on you. <clears throat> now, we live in a society today that uh, a lot of the, uh, the young people today are, 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 like I read last week, they worship plants. You know what I mean? They worship birds and trees and, and everything else. And they, they put animals on the same plane as us as creatures. No, 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 no. The Bible in several places says you are of more value than a sparrow. Aren't you of more worth than that? God's telling us that there's a greater value on us. Why? Because we are a special creation of God. And God would go to this kind of a limit to save you and I from our sins. Woo! He bought you. He paid for you. You are his. You are his. This blood gives us confidence to approach God. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You were away from him. You had no fellowship with him. You were as Adam and Eve was with the fig leaves trying to hide from his holiness because of your sinfulness. Amen. And you were far from him, but now you are near unto him because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So we have confidence to be able to approach him. Hebrews 10, 19 and 20 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. So the veil of the temple separated the rest of the temple from what was called the Holy of Holies, where the high priest went in once a year, where the high priest went in cleansing himself uh, from, uh, you know, making atonement through sacrifices. But there, when Jesus came there, he was the one sacrifice for all people for all times. And the veil of the temple, it says, was rent in two at the time of Christ's death on the cross signifying that the way had been made for you and I to be able to come in to that holy of holies. Wow! Wow! I'm going to come up with a new translation. There's so many Bible translations out there. and You know, every place where it says amen, I'm just going to say, wow! Amen. That's a wow. Hallelujah. We can come in. We can have fellowship with him once again. That fellowship that was severed from the very get-go with Adam and Eve because of their sin. That sin, that curse of sin came upon the entire human race. And from that day to this day, we've been choosing whether we would follow God, submit to God, obey God, walk with God, or do our own thing. And that's why so much of the evil and, and violence and everything else is in the world when people say, well, why does God love Just exactly what Brother Don said today. God had nothing to do with raping that, that young lady. God has given to all men the free will. And someone used his free will to violate that young woman. And it's because of the curse of sin. 
Not because God didn't want, didn't love that young lady. He has put these laws into motion. He has put these principles into motion. And that's why all of the evil that you see in the world, it's not God doing that stuff. It's evil hearts, men with evil, wicked hearts that are doing those things. Amen. The blood of Christ cleanses us and makes us holy. Woo! There's another good one. God makes us holy. So if some of your friends at work say, oh, you just think you're holier than thou, just say, well, if you're not born again, I am. <laughs> not because of my good works, not because of my works of righteousness, but because of what Christ accomplished on the cross on my behalf. So I'm, I'm holier now than I was back in 1971. I can guarantee you that. But it's not based upon my good works. It's based upon his finished work on Calvary. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. So how do we live our life in overcoming power? How do we live our life in overcoming power? Well, this verse says here that if we walk in the light, if we walk in the revelation of God, if we walk in the revelation of his truth, we have fellowship now with each other. We have fellowship with God. That's, that's a great thing. That's what we've been talking about all the way up until here. He's removed our sins and now he's given us access to come in right into his presence and we have fellowship with him. But he also, through that, causes us to be able to have fellowship with each other. Fellowship with each other. Which is needful in our lives as Christians. If a, if a person came down this aisle today and gave their life to Jesus, I would tell them that they need three things in their life. They need, they need to pray and talk to God. They need to read God's word and they need to become a part of a fellowship of believers. Three things right there. And if you do all of those three things from your heart, according to the word of God, you will not falter, you will not fail, you will not get off track. I'm not saying you'll never fail. I'm saying you will not fail in this Christian life. You will continue to the end. You will make it. There's a lot of times people say, I, I'd like to commit my life to Jesus. I don't know if I can do this. You can't do this on your own. But through his grace, his mercy, his power, his spirit, you can do it and you will do it. And if you follow after those three principles, that's, that's the only thing that I can think of, that just the grace of God in my life since 1971. I have not strayed away from God to leave his church, to leave fellowship, to leave his word, and to leave off communicating with him. And those three things are needful in your life if you're going to be an overcomer. He says, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other. There's a bonding between us. There is a covenantal agreement. There is a covenantal contract that we have with each other. Whether we signed on a dotted line or not and signed a contract literally in that sense, when you came to Christ, you became a part of his body, just like your brother and sister became a part of his body. Now, we are a part of each other, and Christ is the head. 
There's a scripture that says a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So me and you, as Christians, with Christ in the center of us, two or three gathered in his name, he says he's in the midst of us, amen? It forms a powerful cord that cannot be broken. So we need each other. We need fellowship. So we, we have fellowship. Christ's uh, blood cleanses us and makes us holy, and then it gives us access to each other in fellowship and fellowship with him. So, again, how do we live our life in overcoming power? We overcome in this world when we believe these things that we just read. And like I said, there's only just a few scriptures. We could have, each of you could give ten more of them today. And we could sit here all day long just meditating and thinking about those 50 scriptures. Amen? That's the promises of God. 10,000 promises in the word of God. Amen. So we overcome in this world when we believe these things. Not when we just read these things, but when we believe these things. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, <clears throat> And whatsoever is born of God. Are you born of God today? Yes. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Amen. Our, placing our faith in these things. Placing our faith in what God said about you. When he says that your sins are forgiven, they're blotted out. I don't remember them against you anymore. You are justified. Man, when you get that down in your spirit, when you start believing that, you start walking a little different. Amen. When we believe what God says about us, when we apply these promises to our lives by pleading the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, when Christians plead the blood of Christ, we're not using that term like magical dust or uh, a super, in a superstitious manner. Some people may do that. But that's not really what it means to plead the blood of Jesus Christ over something. If I plead the blood of Christ over my finances, what I'm saying is I believe what he said about my finances. When I plead the blood of Christ concerning my sins... It's not just a magical word. It is the fact that I'm standing on his principles, his power, his word, and I'm believing what he said. So when Christians plead the blood of Christ, we're not just being superstitious. We're saying that because of the blood, that's what it means to plead the blood of Christ. Because of the blood, we claim victory over sin, bondage, sickness, and disease. Hallelujah. That's where we walk as Christians. That's what we believe as Christians. By his stripes, we are healed. That's what we believe as Christians. Amen. What, well, well, Pastor Mike, how come so many of us get sick? Well, maybe we need to stand on the word of the Lord a little bit more. Amen. Maybe we need to express faith in what God says. Amen. It's not because of sin in your life necessarily. A lot of times people put that kind of condemnation on people. Sickness and the attack of the enemy will hit every last one of us. But we have a defense in the word of God. We can resist that. Amen. We don't have to swallow that. We don't have to believe what he says. Amen. Nunzio sent me a really cool testimony uh, from Andrew Womack's uh, ministry. A guy developed a little, like a scabby kind of a sore on his chest. 
And he just kept seeing that there. And he goes, hmm, that's weird. And it wasn't going away. And pretty soon it started to grow a little bit. Him and his wife looked at that. And they were believers. And he said, uh, we should probably go to the doctor and have that checked out. So the doctor comes in and he looks at this. This is all on the, you know, this is documented. And it's kind of walking it through and uh, reactivating, you know, the, the whole thing, reacting the whole thing. Doctor comes in, looks at the sore, and he goes like that. And he runs in the other room and he gets another doctor and he says, come here. They both look at that thing. They look at each other and they look at him. They say, you, you need to get that taken care of. And then they came out with a, the technical term of what, what it was. It was some kind of a cancerous thing that was just going to spread throughout. So they said, you need to get in and have surgery on that and get that removed right away. So, it would, uh, so he's, out at the, he's out at the reception desk and setting up an appointment. You guys know how that whole thing goes. And so she sets up an appointment for six weeks down the road or whatever. The doctor's walking by and he hears that. He, go, he goes, oh, no, 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 no. No, he needs to get in now. This guy's all of a sudden becoming petrified. He needs to get in there right away. And so he did, and he, he did a follow-up thing or whatever, and they said, you need to have this thing removed right now. If you don't, you, you know, you, you're not going to have long. So somewhere along the line, I don't remember exactly the particular, but he, he just decided, you know what? I'm going to stand on God's word. I'm not going to go and do that. Now, most Christians, most Christians would look at him right then and there and say, buddy, you're, you're a little bit flaky here. You're a little bit too far out. You're, you're acting like a fanatic. But that thing continued to grow. And it grew. And it grew. And it grew. And it grew. And he had this big thing on his chest. They had to buy him a bra and, and tailor make this bra so that it would help to hold this big tumor up. And there's pictures. You see this ugly, nasty thing. And because uh, they, they took pictures of it, they said, this is going to be to the honor and the glory of God. We are standing on God's word. God's going to heal me. And they took pictures of it all along the way. Somewhere along the line, that thing began to disappear. It started to shrink back the same way that it started growing. They're standing on the word of God, and little by little, I think it took about three or six months or something like that, that thing was gone. This guy's been healed ever since then, in great health, walking around, running around, him and his wife. Amen. What I'm saying, that does not happen every time. That does not happen every time. But we got to learn from a testimony like that, that maybe God's wanting to do that for me. And there have been plenty of testimonies of people who have just stood on God's word. I'm not telling you to do that because I don't, <laughs> I, 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 I'm telling you to stand on God's word, but I am not telling you that if you had something like that, that Pastor Mike is saying you should go to the doctor. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be responsible for that. Now, if you come to me and say, Pastor Mike, I'm not going to go to the doctor, I'll say, I'll believe God with you, brother. But there is an incident right there. And I mean, if you, if you ask Brother Nunzio, he'll, he'll send it to you, I'm sure. We plead the blood of Jesus, not as a magical incantation or whatever you call those, or magical saying, 
but we, we're saying we believe God's word. We claim the promises of God, amen. It's by the blood of Jesus that we've been given authority to cast out demons. Cast out demons. In a court of law, when a person pleads the Fifth Amendment, he is saying, I'm using my privilege and my constitutional right not to speak. I plead the Fifth. And as Christians, when we plead the blood, we are simply laying claim to what has been given to us when Jesus shed his precious blood for us. Amen. I plead what contractually is mine. There's the contract. That word of God, that's the contract. And I am pleading the contract that God has made with me concerning my life, concerning my sickness, concerning my finances, concerning my children, concerning my household, concerning my career, concerning the church, concerning whatever it is that we're that we're dealing with in this world. We claim the promises of God. Amen. Let me ask you this morning, are you an overcomer? Amen. That's what the word of God says about you. I didn't ask you how you're feeling this morning. Come on. How are you feeling this morning? I'm okay under the circumstances. Well, what the heck are you doing under there? You know? But that's how we answer each other. I'm doing okay. And then we do this other little thing under our breath. Amen. Guilty. Come on. I'm guilty. I don't care. You don't want to raise your hand. You don't have to. I'm guilty. Amen. So that's why we have to learn to apply God's word to our heart, to our life, and stand on what he says about us, not what we say about us. Amen. Are you an overcomer today? Yes, you are in Jesus Christ. Are you laying claim to those promises of God? Yes, I am. Amen. Are you walking in the light, in the revelation of who Jesus is and what he has done for you? Yes, as much as I can be, that is where I want to be. I want to walk in the light as he is in the light. Amen. And if not, today is a good day to begin. Amen. Whether someone was here and they were not a believer or those of us who are believers who, who maybe have gotten off track a little bit in, the, in, the, in light of this kind of thinking, uh, we can call ourselves right back right now Amen. and say, you know what? I need to be inspired by this word. Yeah. I need to be encouraged by this word. I need to once again grab a hold of that word of God and say, I'm not going to let go of this. I don't care what the devil says about me, about my children, about my family, about my job. I don't really care what he has to say about it. Lord. I'm grabbing a hold of the word of God. And that's what makes us an overcomer. That's how we're going to walk in this life as overcomers. Amen. Hallelujah. I want that for you. I hope you want that for me too. Let's all stand. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We, we got a lot of amens today, didn't we? And we got a lot of wows too. Amen, because those great and precious promises of God is what causes me to overcome in this world. When I grab a hold of them, believe them, act upon them, and walk in the light as he is in the light. Hey, you're an overcomer. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are an overcomer.
I don't know of anybody here today who is not born again. Now, I can't see in your heart. You may, you, you may be fooling all of us. Maybe you're not born again. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> Only you know that, and God knows that. But I think that we can t look around at each other today. I, I believe in my heart that we're all Christians here. And I believe that we can look at each other and say, hey, man, you're an overcomer. Well, I don't know, Brother Mike. You're an overcomer. Amen. If we believe in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are overcomer. We just need to start believing that. We don't have to say, oh Lord, I want to become an overcomer. No, 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 no. I, I am an overcomer. We start saying that. I am an overcomer. I am washed in the blood. I am forgiven. I have been redeemed. I do belong to him. Amen. I'm my beloved's and he is mine. Amen. Amen. Amen.